0: Chapter forty eight of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter forty eight. When a man hath once forfeited the reputation of his sincerity, he is set fast, and nothing will then serve his turn, neither truth nor falsehood. When he is gone Joyce draws a deep breath. For a moment it seems to her that it is all over, a disagreeable task performed, and then suddenly a reaction sets in. The scene gone through has tried her more than she knows, and without warning now she finds she is crying bitterly. How horrible it has all been! How detestable he had looked! Not so much when offering her his hand as for his heart, pa, as when he had given way to his weak exhibition of feeling and had knelt at her feet, throwing himself on her mercy. She placed her hands over her eyes when she thought of that. Oh, she wished he hadn't done it. She is still crying softly. Not now for Beauclerc's behavior, but for certain past beliefs. When a knock at the door warns her that another visitor is coming, she has not had time or sufficient presence of mind to tell a servant that she is not at home when Miss Maliphant is ushered in by the parlor-maid. "'I thought I'd come down and have a chat with you about last night,' she begins in her usual loud tones, with an assumption of easiness that belied by the keen and searching glance she directs at Joyce. "'I'm so glad,' says Joyce, telling her little lie as bravely as she can while trying to conceal her red eyelids from Miss Maliphant's astute gaze by pretending to rearrange a cushion that has fallen from one of the lounges. "'Are you?' says her visitor dryly. "'Seems to me I've come at the wrong moment. Shall I go away?' "'Go? No,' said Joyce, reddening and frowning a little. "'Why should you?' "'Well, you've been crying,' said Miss Maliphant in her terribly downright way. I hate people when I've been crying, but then it makes me a fright, and it only makes you a little less pretty. I suppose I mustn't ask what it is all about." "'If you did, I don't believe I could tell you,' says Joyce, laughing rather unsteadily. I was merely thinking, and it is the simplest thing in the world to feel silly now and then. Thinking of Mr. Beauclerk?" asked Miss Maliphant promptly, and without the slightest idea of hesitation. I saw him leaving this as I came by the upper road. Was it he who made you cry? "'Certainly not,' said Joyce indignantly. It looks like, however,' says the other, her masculine voice growing even sterner, "'what was he saying to you?' I really do think, Joyce is beginning coldly when Miss Maliphant stops her by an imperative gesture. Oh, I know, I know all about that, says she contemptuously. One shouldn't ask questions about other people's affairs. I've learned my manners, though I seldom make any use of my knowledge, I admit. After all, I see no reason why I shouldn't ask you that question. I want to know and there is no one to tell me but you was he proposing to you eh why should you think that asked joyce subdued by the masterful manner of the other and by something honest and above board about her that is her chief characteristic there is no suspicion either about her of her questions being prompted by mere idle curiosity she has said she wants to know and there was meaning in her tone why shouldn't i says she now he came down here early this afternoon he goes away in haste and i find you in tears everything points one way i don't see why it should point in that direction come be open with me says the heiress brusquely in an abrupt fashion that still fails to offend? Did he propose to you?" Joyce hesitates. She raises her head and looks at Miss Malifant earnestly. What a good face she has, if plain! Too good to be made unhappy! After all, why not tell her the truth? It would be a warning! It was impossible to be blind to the fact that Miss Maliphant had been glad to receive the dishonest attentions paid to her every now and then by beauclerk. Those attentions would probably be increased now and would end but one way. He would get Miss Maliphant's money, and she, the good, kind-hearted girl, what would she get? It seemed cruel to be silent, and yet to speak is difficult would it be fair or honorable to divulge his secret would it be fair or honorable to let her imagine what is not true he had been false to her joyce she could not blind herself to the knowledge that with all his afflicted desire for her he would never have made her an offer of his hand but for her having come in for that money he would therefore be false to miss maliphant he would marry her undoubtedly but as a husband he would break her heart is she for the sake of a word or two to see her fall a prey to a mere passionless fortune hunter a thousand times no Better inflict a little pain now rather than let this girl endure endless pain in the future with a shrinking at her heart born of the fear that the word will be very bitter to her guest she says yes very distinctively ha says miss maliphant and that is all joyce Regarding her anxiously is as relieved as astonished to see no trace of grief or chagrin upon her face There is no change at all indeed except she looks deeply reflective Her mind seems to be traveling backward Picking up loose threads of memory no doubt and joining them together a Scene of intense comfort fills Joyce's soul after all the wound has not gone deep she has been right to speak he is not worth thinking about says she tremendously apropos of nothing as it seems no said miss maliphant then what were you crying about i hardly know i feel nervous and once i did like him not very much but still i liked him and he was a disappointment tell you what said miss maliphant you've hit upon a big truth he is not worth thinking about once perhaps i too liked him and i was an idiot for my pains but i shan't like him again in a hurry i expect i've got to let him know that one way or another and as for you i tell you i never liked him much says joyce with a touch of displeasure he was handsome suave agreeable but he was and is a hypocrite interrupts miss maliphant with truly beautiful conciseness she has never learned to mince matters and when all is told perhaps nothing better than a fool you are well out of it in my opinion I don't think I had much to do with it Says Joyce unable to refrain from a smile. I fancy my poor uncle was responsible for the honor done me Today then a sort of vague feeling that she is being ungenerous distresses her Perhaps after all I misjudge him too far She says Could you with a bitter little laugh? I don't know doubtfully one often forms an opinion of a person, and though the groundwork of it may be just, still one is too inclined to build upon it and to rear stories upon it that get a little beyond the actual truth when the structure is completed. "'Oh, I think it is he who tells all the stories,' says Miss Maliphant, who is singularly dull in little unnecessary ways and has failed to follow joyce in her upstairs flight in my opinion he's a liar i was going to say pure as simple but he is neither pure nor simple a liar says joyce as if shocked some old thought recurs to her she turns quickly to miss maliphant the thought grows into words almost before she is aware of it have you a cousin in India? asks she. In India? Miss Maliphant regards her with some surprise. Why, this sudden absurd question is an interesting conversation about that. Judas? I regret to say this is what Miss Maliphant has now decided upon naming Mr. Beauclerk when talking to herself. Yes, India. No one plenty in manchester and brighamham but no one in india joyce leans back in her chair and strange laugh breaks out from her she gets up suddenly and goes to the other and leans over her as though the better to see her oh think think says she not a cousin you loved dearly loved a cousin for whom you were breaking your heart who was not as steady as he ought to be, but who... "'You must be going out of your mind,' said Miss Maliphant, drawing back from her. "'If you saw my Birmingham cousins, or even the Manchester ones, you wouldn't ask that question twice. They think of nothing but money, 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 from morning till night, and are essentially shoppy. I don't mind saying it.' you know, it is as good to give up and acknowledge things, and certainly they—never mind, then. It is the Indian cousin in whom I am interested, says Joyce impatiently. You are sure—sure that you haven't one out there? One whom Mr. Beauclerk knew about? And who was in love with you, and you with him? The cousin he told me of—Mr. Beauclerk? yes yes the night of the ball at the court last autumn i saw you with mr beauclerk in the garden then and he told me afterward you had been confiding in him about your cousin the one in india that you were going to be married to him oh there must be truth some truth in it do try to think if says miss maliphant slowly I were to think until I was black in the face, as black as any Indian of em all, I couldn't even by so severe a process conjure up a cousin in Hindostan. And so he told you that?" "'Yes,' says Joyce faintly. She feels almost physically ill." "'He's positively unique,' said Miss Maliphant, after a slight pause. I told you just now that he was a liar, but I didn't throw sufficient enthusiasm into the assertion. He is a liar of distinction very far above his fellows. I suppose it would be superfluous now to ask if that night you speak of you were engaged to Mr. Dysart? Oh, no, says Joyce quickly, as if struck, there never has been, there never will ought of that sort between me and mr dysart surely mr beauclerk did not oh yes he did he assured me not in so many words let me be perfectly just to him but he positively gave me to understand that you were going to marry felix dysart there don't mind that Seeing the girl's pained face he was bound to say something you know though it must be confessed the Indian cousin's story was the most ingenious. Why didn't you tell me of that before? Because he told it to me in the strictest confidence. Of course. Bound you on your honor not to speak of it, lest my feeling should be hurt. Really, do you know, I think he was almost clever enough to make one sorry he didn't succeed well good-bye she rises abruptly and taking joyce's hand looks at her for a moment felix dysart has a good heart says she suddenly as suddenly she kisses joyce and crossing the room with a quick stride leaves it end of chapter 48 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc